and I was doing fine, but I was just exhausted. And we quote unquote, went to dinner one night and the phone rang. And of course I want a people please. So I looked at the phone and it's a client and I say, Hey guys, my client really needs me. I've got to take this call for the 100th time, 100,000th time, right? Take the call and I walk outside to the restaurant and I'm walking what I call the concrete balance beam. We all know it. We walk back and forth on the car. We walk on the stoppers, the concrete stoppers that our cars are on. And we dip our foot as we're walking and dip our other foot as we're walking. We're just talking and dipping our foot, acknowledging people that are walking into the restaurant. Yeah, I'm on the phone. Hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I happened to look over into the window through the restaurant and there was my family having a blast laughing, joking. I could see them. They were moving back and forth. They were laughing and spending time together and creating these beautiful memories without me. I wasn't in them. So what was the purpose of all this? Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. You guys are in for a treat today. I don't think you understand what's about to happen here. Myself and Jen Duplessis are going to make some magic. Jen, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I'm so excited to be here with you. We had so much fun on my podcast. I can't wait for us to have fun on yours. I'm just grateful that you made time for little old me. You guys don't understand who Jen is or what she's doing, but you're going to find out here on the Dreamcatchers podcast today. Jen, I do things a little unconventional. How can the listeners get in contact with you? Because they're going to love what you have to say. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm all over social media. Just remember that I'm a one N Jen, Jen Duplessis. And that's probably the best way to go to get in touch with me or go to my website, jenduplessis.com and send me a little note. And guess what? I actually reply. It's cool. No <laughs> way. You're actually social? On so, or social? <laughs> yeah, I actually reply. The only reason I say that is because so many people are like, I can't believe you responded to me. And I'm like, why wouldn't I? I mean, if you sent me a contact sheet or information, I want more info. Why wouldn't I respond? That's so crazy. That's what you and I were talking about right off screen. We were talking about following up and accountability and connections and all of that good stuff. Jen doesn't play around, ladies and gentlemen. She said, did you talk to those people I sent you? I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so, Jen, you just got back in town from two weeks on the road. Yeah. What have you been up to? Yeah. Well, I'm always up to, I'm so thankful that we're back on travel because it was, it wasn't, it, I thought it was going to be hard not traveling during COVID, but I later, you know, realized I needed the break. But I'm excited to be back and I'm traveling virtually every single week from now to the end of the year, including a trip to Dublin, Ireland for a TEDx talk and a marketers cruise. And I'm going on an exotic retreat in Thailand at the end of the year. And I'm just really excited for just the opportunity to travel and meet people and really continue to grow me. You know, I'm always excited about growing and moving and shaking and getting to know people and connecting people. So that's, but that's really what I've been doing. So yeah, I'm speaking, I'm doing retreats, I'm doing workshops, big things, little things, you name it, just getting out there and getting my name back in the world again. I felt like it just went away for a while. So I'm excited. You've gotten your name in the world in a big way. Where's the book? Let's talk about the book real fast. This one. Yeah. Yeah. And I just got my first round of my next book too. So I'm really excited about that. It just came in and when we hung up earlier. So we just went live with impact on July 16th, which happens to be my wedding anniversary. We just celebrated 38 years. 
And I thought, well, that's how I want to remember that book going out. But yeah, we released this is 31 authors, myself included, some really great names, some names you probably don't know, but great people. And it's called IMPACT, which is Inspiring, Motivational, Powerful Acronyms for Cognitive Thinking. And what I did was I wanted to put together a book. You know, we all speak in acronyms in our various businesses. And I know as a, as a speaker and a mentor and a coach and a podcaster myself, I tend to bring in acronyms into my world. And I thought, what better way to bring out a book that has everyone's acronyms? So we have playful acronyms, business, mindset acronyms, spiritual acronyms. And we wanted a book that you could open up the pages in the morning and say, what am I inspired to do today? And these acronyms would change your life. And we put out volume one, knowing we're going to do volume two next year. So I'll be uh, looking for more authors for next year to put out volume two. Maybe I'll be included. I was just kidding. Yes. No, it'll be good. Yeah. I just, it's so funny when uh, I go, I know everybody uses acronyms, but then when I start writing down the list, I'm like, well, who, who are they? So I love that I've got a little lead time. We actually put this book together in six weeks. One of the fastest books my publisher ever did. And we just had a blast doing it. So now I've got some free time to listen to people. And when they say they use acronyms, I can say, ah, yes, write your name down. So I won't have to, it won't be as difficult to find when the time comes. This is so amazing. So new books <laughs> out, back on travel, traveling for the rest of the year. Talk about a lifestyle second to none. We talk a little bit about the red pill on the Dreamcatchers podcast. And so I, yeah. I want to go to level one, which is self-image and talk about who you had to become in order to live this life that you have, <laughs> because I don't think little Jen was independently wealthy. Maybe she was, but I don't think so. No. And you know, it's funny you say that because most of my life I've spent it proving and not living, you know, and I know you'll be asking me some questions about that as well, but I was known as Jenny who ain't got a penny. That was the nickname that my uncles gave to me. We all had nicknames. So it wasn't just me, but there were 36 of us, our 36 first cousins were a big family. And mine was Jenny who ain't got a penny. And of course, I didn't understand it. I would always carry a penny around. In fact, we just went back to where I grew up and my kids saw this for the first time. We just haven't been there. Um, it's a place I didn't want to go. You know, I wasn't prepared spiritually, emotionally. I just wasn't prepared to go back and face all that. And just two weeks ago, we did that. We went back and I faced it all. And it was really good. I was strong. I was ready and took pictures of the house I grew up in, you know, all of those things. Showed the kids where I lived. You know, I didn't have the best of childhoods. Many of us didn't. Many of us did, but I didn't. And yeah, it was just really interesting. I used to carry a penny in my shoe because I thought it was a joke. And I say, I have a penny. I have one. But I later learned that uh, it was because, you know, my family was poor and my dad was an alcoholic and my mom was a verbal abuser. And I was destined to be just like them, according to my uncle, when he told me that I was worthless, that I would be worthless, that I would end up just like them. And so I spent all of my life proving that I would not. And until the day I changed my mind, we'll talk about that. But that's where that came from. And my self-image was I wasn't good enough. I'm not worthy. That was my self-image for years and years. Yeah. Wow. And so how long did that carry out? What did you do after high school? Like, how did you create the life? 38 years is a long time. You look like a pretty young lady. Did you get married when you were five or six? Like, how did all this stuff work out? Well, I don't mind. Some women are like, don't tell your age. You know, I'm 57. I'll be 58 in a couple months. And I didn't have a lot to do with it. I was born. My parents made me. So it's pretty much how it is. Take care of myself. But it's nothing that I did. I think for me, there was a day. It wasn't the last. It won't be the first. I can say or the first. It wasn't the first or couldn't wouldn't be the last. But there was a day when I came home from riding bikes because back then you could ride your bikes till all hours of the night and parents would just holler for you and you'd come in and you were out all day. And again, my parents were screaming and I could hear them outside and it was so embarrassing for me. It was, I mean, that's part of it too, is just trying to covet that and put a, what is that called? Armor around me. You know, I had an armor around me for so long. So it was not and underneath that armor. It was just this shriveled up little girl who was feeling worthless, but on the outside, it looked really tough. And I thought that was abundance. I didn't realize that was really a scarcity mentality. 
but that shell was around me because I didn't want people to know that I came from poorness and my dad drank and my mom's verbally abusive. And, and I think sometimes that's even worse to be dealt with that. And they were fighting as usual. And as I walked in the door, I could see right through this little house, right through my, there was my mom. She was very heavy set, and she was sitting there with her cigarette, her that old fashioned woman's robe, right? That zips up in the front and she's sitting there and shaking and, and everything, but her mouth just provoked my father, John, all the time. And dad had a shotgun to her head. And that was the moment I ran out of the house with my fingers in my ears and hoping I just would not hear that shotgun go off. And it was the turning point for me. I was done. I was done with that. I said, you know what? I'm not going to be Jenny who ain't got a penny. I'm not going to be worthless. I'm going to spend my life. I didn't make that decision at nine years old, but I'm not going to spend my life being non-worth anything. I'm going to spend my life proving. I didn't feel that I, it would have that much of an impact on my life at that time, but I went on to be Miss Runner-Up Miss Colorado. I was Miss Colorado Springs. I was a state tennis champion. I played flute and pickle in the Colorado Springs Symphony while I was in high school. Straight A student, cheerleader, ran track, pre-med. I was pre-med. I was going to be a cardiologist, ended up doing architectural design and construction engineering. So I'm a smart cookie, right? I did all of that. I had to overachieve in everything to prove that I was not them. And it was tiring. It was really tiring to do that, to spend your entire life in that framework of just chasing your dream, but was it really my dream or was it a dream I felt I needed to have in order to have them accept me and say they're proud of me? That's what I chased for years. Okay. And so usually what comes with that is the desire to people please. Absolutely. So everybody needs to approve about what, what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. At, at all expenses, right? At the expense of my family and my husband and my personal health and what I want. I'm just everybody. If they want me, I'm there. Yes. Being a yes woman. No, for everything. And then inside just being so unhappy and not fulfilled. So that requires a different level of courage to say, I'm not happy mm -hmm. because everybody so else is the measure of whether or not you should be happy. Right. They yeah. look at it and say, Oh, Jen, oh you've got you everything it together. It's yeah. going on. Yeah. I heard that. And inside it was awful. Right. Inside it was awful. And I have to say that the one thing that was and still is, always is for me, is my faith is very, I'm very faith forward. I'm very driven by my faith and my spirituality. And, and I felt like I hit that tipping point, which we'll talk about when I hit that tipping point, I was strong enough inside. Thank God I had grandparents who lived next door to us. So when I did that run, I ran to them. And they were very faith driven. And thank God I had that because I realized that this transformation for me, getting out of the life of proving into a life of living was going to be an inside job. And I was ready. I was ready for that to happen. And I was strong enough to have that happen, to take the action that was needed and the courage because there was fear around it. What if they don't like me? What if they talk about my being behind my back? What if they look at me funny? What if they challenge me? Am I strong enough to challenge and live up to what I want and be my own voice? Am I strong enough? There was a lot of fear in there. Through The only way you can have courage is to move through fear. There's no other way. There's no other way. So I had to do it. And my faith is what pulled me through. So you went and did beauty pageants and got the degree, got the, got all the stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And then what'd you do with it? Accumulating it because more stuff was more proving because I continued to do that with the hope that one day they're going to call me and say, I love you. Gosh, you've done it. You've accomplished it. Concudos. But I think that their jealousy, their pride, even their not knowing my uncle later told me he didn't, he didn't know. He didn't know that he impacted me that way. So when we want to forgive somebody, I'm not forgiving them. They blah, 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 blah. We are the ones who live with all of that difficulty in our life for not forgiving. It's not that when we forgive them, we need to forgive ourselves and just move on. You know, and Oprah Winfrey said this too, one time in an interview, she said, you know, as she was walking down the street one day and across the street, she saw this woman get out of a limo. 
And she went, oh, that woman, she hurt me, blah, 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 blah. What's going to be the resolution for it? Oprah can live her life with regret, that regret and the grudge and all that. But it's on Oprah. It's not on that person. That person doesn't even know. Could she go over to her and say, I want you to know that you owe me an apology? That's not going to solve the problem. Can she go over and say, I want you to know you hurt me? That's not going to solve the problem. Where that forgiveness really happens is in ourselves saying, I'm, I'm going to forgive them for they know not what they do. I want to forgive them. And then I can blossom. And I just was expecting that for years. Like, why aren't they calling me? They're seeing what I'm doing. Why aren't they calling me and saying, good job? All I needed was good job. I'm proud of you. Way to go. But I didn't get any of it. And so I kept, obviously, I'm still not worth it. So I'll just keep proving. Oh, boy. Yeah. And so what what happened? Like, when did you say enough is enough? Yeah, it's funny you said that because I wrote that down in one of the questions you asked me. I, I was like, I'd had enough. I was so tired. So one day, and to give you some context, I had a 35-year career in the mortgage business, top in the country. Of course I was, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> what? Right. <where, where, laughs> Because I was proving. But at that time, I was in the top 1%. I later went to the top 0.003% of our loan officers in the country. But I was at the top 1%, which is really good. There's 785,000 loan officers. So that means I'm in this top 78,000. Later went to the top 200. But here I am working like a dog, like a gazillion hours, people pleasing all over the place, people pleasing, proving how I can make all uh, this money and have all these things like all the other loan officers and be the top producer and all that stuff. I hate the word balance. I don't use it anymore, but try to balance family. I'm a good mom and I clean the house and I'm a good wife and I'm a good this and, and I'm a good that. And just, oh my God, it was just so tiring. And I was doing okay. I was producing a closing $50 million worth of loans a year. And I was doing fine, but I was just exhausted. And we quote unquote, went to dinner one night and the phone rang. And of course I want a people please. So I looked at the phone and it's a client and I say, Hey guys, my client really needs me. I've got to take this call for this 100th time, 100,000th time, right? Take the call. And I walk outside to the restaurant and I'm walking what I call the concrete balance beam. We all know it. We walk back and forth on the car. We walk on the stoppers, the concrete stoppers that our cars are on. And we dip our foot as we're walking and dip our other foot as we're walking. We're just talking and dipping our foot, acknowledging people that are walking into the restaurant. Yeah, I'm on the phone. Hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I happened to look over into the window through the restaurant and there was my family having a blast laughing, joking. I could see them. They were moving back and forth. They were laughing and spending time together and creating these beautiful memories without me. I wasn't in them. So what was the purpose of all this? There wasn't. In that moment, I broke down outside. I'm always like on the edge of tears as I tell you this story. And I looked through and I said, it's enough. I can't do it anymore. I'm done with this. There's got to be a better way. There has to be a better way to live. There has to be a better way to achieve, get where I want to go. That is a way that is fulfilling. And other people had it because they didn't have to go through what I went through. So I had, I thought, Well, I can ask everybody how they do it, but I don't think that they understand because they're not coming from where I came from. And that's when I realized this is an inside job. I have to figure this out. There has to be a better way. I am done. I am done proving to everybody and I am ready to live. And so for the next three years, I created systems and ways of doing business, you know, that I now coach on and and mentor on to create a lifestyle that serves the business, not create a business that tries to serve a lifestyle. And that's so, so many entrepreneurs do is that we build this strong steel wheel and then we create our light. We try to create our lifestyle around it in the form of a tire, which gets nails and scrapes and scraps and goes flat. And I just want to invert that. And so now my life is the steel. What I want 
is the steel. My faith, my family, everything I want is the steel of my life. And now the business becomes the tires, becomes the rubber that gets nails and whatever in it. But what I found was that when I look back, I said, oh my gosh, I received a letter in the mail that said, you have just reached top 200 loan officers in the country. I didn't even know I was headed there. Didn't even know because I was having so much fun in my life that my business just became better. And I ended up going to $112 million, not 50, I doubled. And I was only working four days a week. And I was being as good to me as I was to my business rather than the other way around. Wait, (laughs) people are listening. They're like, wait, hold on. There's got to be something missing. So my question to you is who showed up to help you along the way? Or did you literally figure this all out on your own? Yeah, I had mentors and I definitely had mentors, but they were business mentors. And so the struggle I was having was I didn't need help in business. I needed, and I certainly did because I ended up growing, but what I needed was help in being present with my family and with my own life. So it was my priest guided me quite frequently to just be silent and know who I am and what I want. My grandparents, because they had not passed away at that time. So they were helpful to me, but I would say most of it was an inside job. And there's a Because when people start changing people that, let's just say, for example, someone who weighs 400 pounds, they lose a bunch of weight. The way that people react to them is different. They're going through amorphous, but others aren't seeing it and they're not accepting of it as much. So as I went through it, it was really very lonely. It quite frankly was. But I will tell you, my husband, whom you've met, you know, we're high school sweethearts. We're known as Danny and Sandy from Greece because we uh, met when we were 14 and 15 years old in high school. And he's a rebel rouser and I was prim and proper because I was proving to everybody. I put in my other book, Launch, How to Take Your Business to New Heights, that it takes a very strong man to stand behind a woman, but it takes an even stronger man to stand behind a very strong woman. And that was my husband. He's always had me on a pedestal, always been my support mechanism, always believed that I could do anything I wanted to do. And if anybody externally, aside from little mentors here and there, it was him always supporting me, always saying, you got it, whatever you need, you got. And I'm thankful that he was never the naysayer. He was always the support and never jealous, never proudful or anything that you know, that I was exceeding him. He didn't care. He was there to support me. So when you made this shift and you were going to put your family first and the business was going to do what it was going to do, it had to be hard. Mm -hmm. You started saying no, which is a word that was probably a curse word before you decided (laughs) enough was enough. And what did you have the moment where you said, no, I got to keep going down this path, Right. right? This is what I call the red pill moment. For me, it was that I couldn't go back. The pain was so difficult to deal with. And I heard, I heard from one of my mom's friends one day. In fact, I haven't really said this. I don't think anywhere. I heard from one of my friends or my mom's friend, she said, she was talking to me on the phone one day and she said, your mom is really proud of you. And I said, is she? And she said, oh my God, she talks about you all the time. She's so proud of you. And she said, but she'll never tell you. And I said, why do you think that is? And she said, because she could never accomplish what you've accomplished and she can't get past it. But I'm here to tell you that she's extremely proud of you. And that, that's what made me say, okay, they didn't tell me. I'd had enough. I didn't get what I wanted from them. I will never get what I want from them. So I'm going to get what I want for myself. And I'm going to keep moving forward. And that was a pinnacle point for me because I got the validation that we're all looking for. We're all looking for validation. I don't care how famous you are. You're looking for validation. And I finally got the validation and it said, as difficult as this may be, the no's I have to do, because you know, in business, I was a yes woman. I had to start saying no. And ooh, that was tough. Those are unpopular decisions. 
but I started saying only going to work with people that compliment, not complicate me. And if they complicate me, I'm not going to work with them anymore because I don't have it in me to worry about everybody else. I had spent my life carrying and not caring. And I carried everybody's burdens, everybody else's inability to handle their business. It was thrown on me. And I said, yes, bring it on because I'm a people pleaser. And I had to push it all back. And I lost relationships that I wanted to have, but they didn't want to have that relationship with me if I wasn't going to be their beck and call girl. And that's okay. I had to come to terms with that. And that was really the hardest thing I did is I probably burned some bridges but not in a bad way. I think they left me. I didn't leave them. They left me. They didn't like who I was becoming. And that's really hard when you're chasing your dreams. Wow. So they didn't like who you were becoming, but you were becoming who you needed to be in order to have the things that you wanted and needed to have. Yeah. And so back to the lonely place or like you might've called it scary. You think you said lonely too. How did you exist there? Because everything was about, I think you said 30 some first cousins or something. So there was always people around for you. So to go into the bubble and, or what I like to call the cocoon, you go into the cocoon and and you come back out as a butterfly. Yeah. How'd you get good with that? Yeah. Um, It's like the COVID cocoon right now. Hopefully we've all been in that cocoon and we're emerging better than we were. Yeah. Again, I, I keep saying it's an inside job. It's, and you know, you know, I'm about ready to release a new book and release a TV show called tell me I can't. And really that's where it was is go ahead. I'm ready. Now the armor was there not to protect me in the sense of, I don't want you to know that my dad's an alcoholic. I don't want you to know that I'm poor. I don't want you to know that I'm unworthy. But the armor was there to say, watch out, here I come. So tell me I can't and watch what I do. You're going to tell me I can't. You're the naysayer who's going to say, you can't do that. You're the naysayer. Oh, that's silly. You can't publish a book. You can't have a TV show. You can't have success and be a mom. Really? Watch. And so I got to the point where I got a little angry. Now I was out of the fog and said, How dare you tell me I'm not worth it? How dare you tell me that I'm going to be just like them and watch me show you? And this wasn't proving. This was power. There was a shift and now nothing would stand in my way. And hopefully your audience is listening. You know that I have no mean bone in my body. I have none no mean bone. It became, my drive became stronger than their jealousy. And that's what I kept hearing from my cousins. There was whisperings around of, oh, look at her. And all I was doing what was best for me, they had the same opportunity and they are successful. I have cousins that are the head doctor at the Cleveland Clinic for pediatric uh, heart surgery, but they were all jealous that I was no longer Jenny who ain't got a penny. I had changed it. I love it. And it, that's we what can my all whole change show it, right? is going to be about is tell me I can't and don't curl up into a ball. You know, only 3% of us when we're told we can't actually go and prove things to people or share or whatever. I don't want to say proving, but go and share. 97% of us, when someone says, no, you can't do that. You're not this, you're not that. You're too this, that, and the other. We curl up. And so I want to explore what the gifts are that we all possess. My gift is different than yours, but explore what those various gifts are so that people realize, hey, wait a minute, I can, and I'm going to show everybody that I can, but I'm most importantly showing how I can for myself. What's up, tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. Because it's an inside job. It's an inside job, baby. (laughs) It is. Jen, you, you said the B word earlier. And you said, I don't like using that word. What word is that? What's wrong with balance? 
Oh, balance. Like I'm going, what word is that? What did I say? Yeah, I do. Here's the thing with balance. If we look at a scale and it's balanced, you're 50% here and 50% here. You're not really present. You're balanced. You're a little this, a little that, a little distracted. And I think the reason that people are trying to find balance is because it doesn't exist. And I always thought of it as me standing on and neither gets attention and you're tired in the middle. You're exhausted. So make a decision, jump onto one of them, give it the full attention it deserves, and then leave that and jump onto another one and give it the full attention it deserves. And that presence is what's key. And again, I feel that this really stems from the fact that I'm that people pleaser. I want everybody happy. So I'm going to spin all the plates and all the boats and all the this is. And I think that's what we all do when we're trying to balance. So we're trying to make our husbands happy and our wives happy and our kids happy and our boss happy and trying. We're last. That's why mine's steel, right? We're last to make ourselves happy. And so I just learned that I'm going to be all in in this podcast, all in. And when we're done, I'll go be all in in my next task. If that's lunch with my husband or whatever it is, I'm all in. And I think people have to understand that we have to stop. And maybe that's probably the wrong way to do it, like the stop version. But when someone calls me, my phone rings, just because it rings doesn't mean I have to answer it. I had to learn that. That's their agenda, not mine. If I'm with my grandkids, I'm with my grandkids. And we are, all of us are people pleasers. We're, most of us who are entrepreneurs are people pleasers because we have this business and we're customer service oriented and customer experience oriented. And I want to serve my customer. And if I lose that customer because I didn't call them back in five seconds, then so be it. And I think we have to come to that conclusion. It is a rat race. We all know that from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? It's a rat race. And just because my phone rang does not mean I have to answer it, especially if I'm doing something that's really important right now at this moment, being present with my team, being present with my husband, being present with my kids, my grandkids, being present at church, right? I lost alone one time because I was in church. I called after church was over the, and I had it off, but I came out and I called the real estate agent and I said, Hey, I was in mass. I'm sorry. I was in church. And she didn't call me back time and fast enough time. I went ahead and sent it to someone else. And I said, okay, that's the way it is. What I wanted to tell her was you're I'm done with you. Right. (laughs) That's what I wanted to tell her because she's not aligning with me anymore. She's not complimenting me. She's complicating me and I'm not going to chase that. And Again, if you're just as true to yourself as you are to your business, you're going to be so much more happy. So later I called her and said, you know, I want to go back to that conversation. You know, I walked out of church and by the way, she's faith-based and teaches Dave Ramsey. And I said, I walked out of church and you said that you gave to someone else because it wasn't fast enough. And I said, it really disappointed me. And I just want you to know that I feel that we're not a good fit anymore. And I let her go. And it affected my business, but guess what? Right around the corner, there was someone else who could compliment me and help me continue to grow. I love this. You've just got to have an impeccable belief in yourself that, or your faith that things are going to work out once you make this decision that this is the right thing for you and all the other people that you are including in the decision to make the change. And so what's been your worst fear in this process of all of this different transformation and how'd you overcome it? The worst fear is, again, as a people pleaser, as someone who's proving is that everyone will not like me. I won't be liked. I won't be loved. We all want that, right? I mean, and it's so, it's so hard these days with Facebook and everything because everyone posts all these wonderful things. So I got to the point where I don't really have anything bad to post. I don't have a lot of bad things that go on, you know, like, Ooh, I could take a picture of myself in the morning when I wake up and go, yep, (laughs) that's me. But I don't think about that in the morning. Right. But I don't really have a lot of bad things happen to me. So I don't really have, I don't have anything to post. It's bad to show that vulnerability. I don't mean it badly, but then as a result of that, I don't post a lot of good things either. I hold back. I'm very 
protected. I'm very, I try to stay very humble. You know, I know people that are in my space at coach that tout every little win that they have and look at me, I'm great and whatever. I just don't do that. I feel that, you know, again, I'm going to go back to the spiritual piece of this, you know, I'm Catholic. So in Lent we had during Lent, we don't eat meat and we fast and everything. And And the Bible tells us not, and this is not a Catholic Bible, this is our Bible that tells us, don't let them see that you're hurting, just go along like it's normal. And so I don't feel like I need to go out there and say, look at me, look at me, look at all these wonderful things I'm doing. I'm very careful not to, and and it's, it's not even, I think there's a certain amount of coveting that I still do. It should, that's grained in me that, that doesn't require that I go out and yell from the rooftops, all these wonderful things that are happening. But I don't know. I can't remember your question now <laughs> about it. But. Worst fear in the process. Yeah. I think the fear, you know, the fear in the process, when I look back at who I was then was that I wasn't going to be liked, that my business was going to fail, that I would look foolish you know, that people would talk about me behind my back or in front of me that I would circle the drain and I needed to put a stopper on the drain so that I knew that I could just be fulfilled and not worry about circling the drain and what everybody else had to say. So my biggest fear was that, and it takes a ton of courage to be who you want to be the authentic you. I think that we, this is where authenticity has a problem, you know, is that we're trying to not, we have so much fear about what everybody thinks that we morph ourselves into who we think everybody else wants us to be. And that's exactly what I had done. And I'm done doing that. I'm done. It's too much work. It's much easier to just be me. It's exhausting. It's it's exhausting. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, all right. I think you may have brought this up already, but hopefully now I'm going to dig a little deeper, Jen. Was there a point when everything was on the line for you? Was there a rock bottom? No, there were, I mean, the rock bottom was the restaurant. That to me was the rock bottom because yeah. that happened almost 12 years ago. And look how it affected me emotionally, just telling the story. And I, I look, I'm on a lot of podcasts. I've been on over 1200 podcasts. I can get through that without crying, but there are days I can't. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's where my mindset is that day or the power of your question, your line of questioning that brings it out. And I do become very emotional. So that was rock bottom for me, at least that time. The rock bottom was the shotgun to my father's head, to my mother's head. That was a low point. And the next low point was, was the restaurant. And that's it. And as you and I talked off screen, right in the green room, I'm approaching another, I wouldn't call it a rock bottom, but I'm approaching another change and shift in my life right now. Reflection. Yeah. And that's where I was going to go, right? So tie it there. I can't miss this call because I might not get the loan if I don't, or I might let this person down, or I might da-da-da-da. But the people who that I say I care about and love the most they're getting nothing. have just accepted that I'm not a part of the yeah. event now because I got to go do all yeah. this other stuff. And so- yeah. What's crazy, though, over that time is your business has grown so big that you're at a place where you're questioning whether or not you want it to grow anymore (laughs) or if you need to pivot or adjust it. And I think people are attracted to folks who actually understand and have some standards and some um, guidelines or regulations around the way that they engage and interact. Yeah. Yeah. When I look back on the restaurant, one of the things that my priest had suggested I do, and now subsequently, you know, many of us do this in, in this, this coaching and mentoring world and speaking and, you know, Darren Hardy does it. I'm a big fan of Darren Hardy and even Tony Robbins, who I've been for, you know, fortunate and blessed to speak with on stage and know him is we really need to go back to core values. And this is what that inside job is, right? The core values. And, and my core values are faith family, stability, integrity, and impact. Those are my core values. And I started developing them as I started to grow my mortgage practice, you know, and so subsequently I did very well for many, many years, but I knew that I wanted to do something a little different. I had a calling and a pull to help people 
realize what I realized that took me 20 some years to realize they realize it sooner in their business and their entrepreneurship, their solopreneurship in or out of that business doesn't matter that they realize it sooner than later, that they're just as important as their business. And it's not all about the business. And when we look at how many businesses fail and how much work and effort is put into it, then it's pretty obvious that working longer hours is not the key. (laughs) It's just not. Because if we all work long hours and we're all successful, then that would be the key. But we already know that's not. It's, And so for me, it's going back to my core values and every decision I make that is going to be a tough decision, a decision that changes the course of, of my practice. And every decision I go back to my core values, like phone a friend, phone, phone a core value. Does it align with my faith? So is, is it legit, right? Is, or is it affecting my faith? Does someone want to meet me on a Sunday when I believe I shouldn't work on Sunday? Or are they asking me to do something that's not right? That's a faith-driven core. Family. If I say yes to this, am I saying no to something in my family? Whereas before, I wouldn't even ask myself that. I'd go, yes, they'll be there. It's okay. They'll be there. Yes, yes. My mom had this poem, and it's written by somebody, but she said it to me first. So I always think it's my mom's. We flatter those we scarcely know. We please the fleeting guests but we deal many a thoughtless blow to those we love the best. And there were times I was on the phone, you know, saying, oh yes, uh uh-huh, lovely, yes. Could you hold on for just a moment? Cover the phone, turn around and scream at my daughter. I'm on the phone because this is for you. You have all this because I'm on the phone. You be quiet. I'll be with you in a minute. You go sit in the corner, like screaming at her. And then going, sure, I can help you. And- It just makes me sick to my stomach that I did that for years. And it should make anyone who's listening sick to their stomach that they're doing it to their family as well, right? To them or to themselves. They're allowing themselves to gain weight and be sick. You may not feel it today, but it'll catch up with you. Be sick because you're not taking care of you. And those core values are still what I'm using today and what I'm using to go through this process of core values in saying what's happening with my faith, which is always in good standing, but what's happening with my faith, but now I've got a family decision. My core values, this family core is really affecting me right now because I almost lost my husband three months ago. And so now I'm looking a different way and saying, how do I pull back on the the company so that I can redirect my priorities back to my husband. I've always had them doing very well now that I know how to do it, not balancing, but I've always had them in check, my priorities, managing my priorities. But with all this travel I have booked, it's booked. I'm committed for the rest of the year. And I'm struggling with it because I know it's taking me away from my husband who needs me right now. And so now I'm saying, okay, let me get through this, but what does 2022 look like? Maybe I need to pull that back so that my family is a priority, so that my husband's more of a priority for me. And maybe my business doesn't need to grow right now. I call them little taps from God, like, hey, 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 growing too fast, growing too fast, bring you back here. Let's get recentered. And that's what I feel is happening with me right now. Ooh, nothing like a centered life. So you were going down the path of being sick and I'm thinking, get them, Jen. You tell them that, I felt the way and it's okay for you to have a problem with what you do because I think it's so backwards that we are so nice to strangers and the people that we actually care about, we treat them as if they're worthless or meaningless. Yeah. All or, the time. you know, every day they understand. You'll understand. Oh, that's just how yeah. I am. You'll understand. I don't have to put on yeah. a face with you until they don't until they don't. And I thank God every day that I still have a 38 year marriage because I shouldn't that my kids respect me because I shouldn't, they shouldn't. And that they have learned through osmosis with me not to do what I did. And that's my whole life's passion right now is helping people, making that impact on people. It's why my, I have two podcasts, but one of the podcasts is called success to significance life after breaking through glass ceilings. So you broke through the glass ceiling, but now what are you trying to do? That's making something significant in your life. And my children learned that and they're very successful and they have these beautiful families and they have their priorities in place. 
they didn't have to go through what I went through. And that's really my mission is to help people understand when are you going to stop? When are you going to stop doing it for everybody else? And when are you going to start doing it for you? I love it. So I think you'll have a good one for this. Was there anything that tried to pull you back into the old world? And for the, this conversation, I think it's back into people pleasing. Did you get that phone call and there was this wonderful opportunity, but you made a commitment and you said no to the phone call so you could honor the commitment? Like, was there that thing that was like, if I go back to the way I've always done things, who knows where it'll yeah. lead? Well, I think just like they say, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, once a drug person, always a drug person, right? once a people pleaser, always a people pleaser, right? <laughs> so I have to really work at making sure I don't get back on the bandwagon because I really am a people pleaser. I do helping people. There's no question about it. But now the reason why I like helping people is different. Yeah, it's funny. I guess it would have been in 20, sometime in 2019. I don't even remember what it was, maybe 2019. I got this call for an opportunity to go to Dubai to speak. And this was going to be a $50,000 gig. I, I fly to Dubai, all expenses paid. I speak for $50,000. I'm, I'm also going to be there for a couple of little workshops. So it was a big gig. It wasn't like a speaking thing only. And I was so excited about it because I was like, oh, check me out. I didn't even know. I was looking on the map. Where is it? I've heard about it. I didn't know where it was. And I was so excited about it and everything. And then they contacted me and they said, okay, here's when the dates are. And I was trying to measure all of that again, going back to my core values, faith, family, stability. Those were the things I was really looking at Um, and impact. That was the other one I was looking at for this thing. And at the time, so this was pre-COVID. I know it was pre-COVID. I deliver communion to homebound elderly people, et cetera. And somehow I dug into being the hospice communion person. And people that are in hospice that are dying, the last thing they need is to have a rotation of different people coming in. And so I wanted to go there and be there for them. And it was painful for me because I'm not back into it yet because of COVID, but it was painful for me because I really got to know these elderly people and all their beautiful lives and their stories and their fun things and their trials and tribulations. And and then they would pass away. It was was really tough to do, but I had a a handful of people that were in that position. And I thought if I go, I can't deliver communion. So that was number one. Most people would say, okay, someone else can, these are my core values. So I was like, Ooh, I don't know. Could I, yes, I could get someone else. Okay. Let's go to the second one. Family. My daughter was getting married not too long after I would have gone to Dubai and It happened to be that she had an appointment with the bridal shop to try on bridal dresses for the first time while I would be gone in Dubai. Could I have her change the appointment? Sure. Definitely. But did I want to? With that core value of family, this is my only daughter. We're going to get her wedding dress. So that was core value number two, stability. It's not just going there. It's getting there and getting back. It's a two-week plan, right? It would be a two full weeks. How would that impact the stability of me financially? And how would that impact the stability of my time? Because time's a big thing for me. Priority management is big. And I thought, if I'm gone for two weeks in my business, I have to shift all my coaching outside of it, right? Outside of that, I got to switch all the coaching. Any speaking gigs that I had here, I'd have to shift and lose. And oh my gosh, any podcasts I'd have to shift, everything would have to be shifted. And it was affecting my time stability. Then I realized it would affect my income stability as well, because in that time, I would not be working on my business at all because I would be so far away. And so I would have a lull in my business when I came back, not immediately, but it would probably affect me 30, 60, 90 days out. When I looked at that 30, 60, 90 days out, I was not going to be able to focus on my business at that time either, because now my daughter would be getting married. And so now that, that stability of income would drag out even further. So I decided, no, that's how I made the decision. I would love to be able to go on Facebook and go, look at me. Like everybody does. I wouldn't have done that, but they would have been able to do it. And I said, no. And I thought, God, 50 grand, man. But guess what happened in that two weeks? It was pleasurable to be with people on their last moments. It was pleasurable to be with my daughter, to be there with her and be 100% attentive and be present 
as she goes through this beautiful time in her life. And I, she didn't have to say, oh, my mom, and I have to change the date. And more importantly, during that period of time, I think I made a little over $78,000. So someone upstairs was looking out for me. And so I've come to the conclusion that when I use my core values, when I use my gut instinct, when I use my principles, I am returned and trifold every which way, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially. So I'm not afraid to say no anymore. Don't be afraid to say no, ladies and gentlemen. Last two questions, Jen. The first one, I think we did this at the beginning, but I want to do it again. How can folks get in contact with you? Yeah, again, I go to jenduplessis.com and fill out a form there, a contact sheet, and it'll email me and I promise I'll respond to you or catch me on Facebook. Go to my YouTube channel. I need more YouTube listeners, but I just love connecting with people. So you have some questions. You want to know how to get over something. You want to get know how to crack a, bra- a glass ceiling, you know, to get past these things. And by the way, glass ceilings aren't just financial. It's everything. You know, that's what I'm here to help with. So that's the best way to get a hold of me. Nice. What's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this episode? I think you probably know the answer to this, but be as good to you as you are to your business. Be as good to yourself as you are to everybody else around you. And stop flattering those you scarcely know and please the fleeting guests and stop dealing many a thoughtless blow to those you love the best. Jen, you are a true example of a dream catcher. From Jenny without a penny to Jen who has a business that's so big, she doesn't know if she wants it to grow and says no to $50,000 speaking opportunities. And can prioritize serving communion to folks who are getting ready to transition into the next space. There comes a point after we reach some form of financial success that we realize it's not about the money. It's about our impact. And that significance play is the only thing that's really going to make us feel truly successful. And I think you epitomize that through the way that you live your life out. And I'm just so grateful that you took time out of your schedule to come share this with me. And now other people are going to be able to hear it. So this was for me and whether anybody else listens, <laughs> it doesn't matter because I just love capturing this social proof that dreams can and should be real. And so to the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.